on, let's give God a good hand clap of praise this morning, amen. I hope you're excited to be with us this morning at TWBC. If you would begin to open up your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke chapter number 2 is where we're going to kick this morning's message off today. And we're so grateful that you're with us here this morning. Hey, as you're turning to the Gospel of Luke, we got some ushers coming down the aisles. And they're going to be handing you stacks of tickets that look like this. There's three tickets to a stack. So if you're an adult, you're going to need two tickets. And if you have a child next to you, you need to give one of the tickets to them. So do the math accordingly. If you're an adult and you got three kids, get two stacks of tickets. And, and just do the math accordingly as they begin to hand those out. And they'll be up to the balcony in just a second to bring you guys some tickets. Tickets up there. So as they're handing these out, grab these tickets, and we need every child to have one and every adult to have two. And so grab those as you're getting started this morning. And as you're turning in your Bible to the Gospel of Luke, chapter number two, I want to read to you a testimony that um, I love the way they start this out. And it says, My testimony would not fit on a Connect card. <laughs> That's awesome. The Connect cards are the cards right in front of you. If you're a first-time guest here, we're so grateful that you're here this morning, but you're no longer a guest. Welcome to the family. We'd like to ask you to grab that card out of the chair in front of you and bring it back to the Guest Connect Center where we can connect with you and make you uh, feel at home and find a place to belong here. But you can also write praise reports or prayer requests on those Connect cards, and we want to encourage you to do that. But this person wrote, The Lord has repeatedly given me the word first fruits in various ways over a long period of time. So to make a long story short, I put our tithing on automatic weekly draft to the church to give to God our very best and first fruits of our finances. I initially struggled with doubt and fear, and this is the message we talked about last year, what do you do with the doubt? I struggled with doubt and fear, um, would there be enough money in the account always to make this happen? Within one week of starting the draft, we began to see movement in the area of our finances and in our lives in areas that we had been praying about for a long time, such as missions in South Africa. And within a month, my husband got the best job he's ever had. Can we give God a hand clap of praise about that? God begins to meet the desires of their heart. The husband gets the best job he's ever had. And when I gave God my best, he began to... No longer do I tithe when it's convenient or when it's just casual. It is always first. I handle our family's finances, and when I shared this with my husband, he replies, I sure wish we would have done this sooner. I'm telling you, the principle of God's Word works through and through, over and over, time and time again. And so I want to encourage you, if you've never uh, tithed, begin to take that step of faith and see what God can do in every area of your life. And as we kick off this morning's message, the title of this morning's message is, Tickets, Please. And that's the title of this morning's message. So as you're all getting your tickets this morning, in the movie clip we just saw, kids were given golden tickets. And as the conductor punches the ticket, he hands them back to the kids. And they all had different letters on them. And when the kids looked at the punched tickets, they realized it says something. But they can't figure out what it says because it's incomplete. And I don't know if y'all noticed how amazing our audiovisual team was when they were punching the tickets. The word alive comes across on the tickets. They're like punching it out as we go. If you missed it, come to third service. You can catch all the, the other effects that, that you miss if you were watching the movies uh, clip that was going on. But I wanted to bring this up for a reason because when the kids looked at the tickets, one kid had L and E on it. The other had uh, a B and an E on one end and the other. But, but it was always incomplete. And how many times in our lives... Does God hand you something that he started, but what he gives you, it looks incomplete? How many times in your life does God hand you something that he started, 
But when he gives it to you, it looks incomplete in your life. In, in life, this happens all the time. He, he gives you a spouse, but there's no manual on how to not make your spouse mad. Can I get an amen on that? Not just from the men, but from everybody who's married in the house. Give me an amen on that. You don't know, no, he gives you a spouse that you've been praying for, but he doesn't give you the manual about how to not make that wonderful blessing of the Lord mad when you're just being normal, right? Am I the only one who does this? All right, come on, somebody. Nobody's amen in this morning. Hey, I want everybody to just do this, shake it off, because this is an interactive message, and you're going to need a pin out of the chair in front of you. You're going to need the golden tickets in your hand throughout this message. How many of you know that when God gives you kids, it's awesome, but there's no instruction booklet how to raise them? Come on, somebody. Now we got an amen. We're not talking about spouses. We're talking about kids. Give our kids a hand clap as they're with us this morning in the worship center. We love our kids at TWBC. You know, I remember when me and my wife had our first son, Caleb, and we walked home, and he's in the carrier, and we're standing at the threshold of the door, and we walked in, and we looked at each other, and it's like, oh, this is real, <laughs> right? We had the blessing we've been praying for for years, and the awesome, wonderful, world-changing person of God is in our arms, and we're walking in, and it's like, we don't know what to do, <laughs> and we look at each other like, oh, it's real. We got work to do. He gives us the beginning, and we know God's got great plans for him in the ending, but what do we do with everything in the middle? <laughs> he gives you something that he started, but when he gives it to you, it looks incomplete. He puts a ministry in your heart, but you have no clue how to make it happen. Come on, he gives you a desire. He gives you a, a, a platform. He gives you something great. He gives you a burden. He gives you a, a, something that you can do to meet the needs of the people around you. But he gives it to you, and then it's like, what do I do with this dream that's in my heart because I don't even know where to begin? He gives you something that he's got a plan for that he started, and he knows the ending, but somehow it looks incomplete in the middle. I'm sure Mary felt the same way. And so let's read about it in Luke chapter number 2, beginning in verse number 8, when she was given the Son of God. God started something that Mary didn't know how the completion would be, but she had to trust Him in the middle. And it says, And in the same region, in verse 8, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. How many of you know when God's doing something, and he gives you something, the first thing you have is excitement, the second thing you have is fear. <laughs> like you're excited that you got it, now that you got it, we're afraid that we're going to break it. And God says, fear not. I love his encouraging words. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign. Everybody say a sign. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom, with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds turned and said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And when they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger, 
And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. So what do you do when God puts something in your life? And he hands you something that he started, but when he gives it to us, it looks very incomplete. And I want to tell you this, the more of a privilege you consider something to be, the more responsibility you will take towards it. Okay, I, I, want, to, I want to repeat this a couple more times. It says, the more of a privilege you consider something to be, the more responsibility you will take towards it. Now notice the last phrasing of that statement, you will take towards it action towards the privilege that you got now my kids i love that they're in here and my kids love the xbox how many of you kids like an xbox or playstation and you and you love it i, I got student ministries loving it i, I got our, our, our youth director youth pastor loving it come on and my kids love the xbox and here's the thing about it when they get home from school and they know it's xbox day and they get to go play it there are sometimes I'll say, hey, I need you to clean your room before you go play the Xbox. They know if they're going to get the privilege, they got to do the responsibility working towards it to get what their desire actually is. So the more of a privilege you consider something to be, the more responsibility you'll take towards it. I consider standing on this platform a great, great privilege that was given by Almighty God. So I take great responsibility towards the messages that I, that I preach. And I want to see what God does. The more of a privilege you consider something to be, the more responsibility you'll take towards it. Now as you begin to evaluate every area of your life, I pray that you'll start taking more responsibility towards some things and less responsibility that aren't so important about things that don't really matter. I want you to start taking responsibility towards your marriage to make it great again. Start taking responsibility towards your kids because they're the privilege of God that has been given to you. And I believe God is giving every one of us a golden ticket every week in our life. But because it looks incomplete, we overlook the power of it. I believe every week in our life, God gives us something amazing from him. But because it looks incomplete, we overlook the power of what he's given us. So what in your life right now looks incomplete that if you look at it again, you'll start seeing power actually in it? What if, your, what if your job right now seems very incomplete and unfulfilled and you're not fulfilled in what you do, but you overlook it, but if you would look back at it again, you'll see there's actually power in it that God has designed for you to walk in. So what happens when the things we once considered privilege now become commonplace? What happens, Pastor Corey, when the things we once considered privileged now become commonplace in our life? That marriage that you were so excited about 30 years ago when you got in it is now kind of, eh. right? The thing that you considered most privileged at one point is now commonplace, and because it's so common to you, you're overlooking the power that actually, actually resides in the marriage that you have. The kids that you once prayed for and celebrated are, are now entering in those wonderful teenage years. Come on, somebody. Yeah. They're entering into those teenage years, 
of wonderful bliss of raising kids that I haven't arrived at yet. And the privilege has now become common and their actions are more annoying than anointed. Come on. But if we look at it again, it becomes uncommon because you realize the privilege that it is to raise world changers. Mm, come on. I don't know if y'all love me or hate me in this moment. <laughs> but but y'all, the, 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 the truth of this is the jury is still out on whether y'all are liking this message or not from the beginning. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it'll change your life. It'll change your life here in the next few minutes. And the funny thing is, what Mary was pondering about, it says this right here, and Mary treasured up all these things, pondering in them in her heart. What she pondered about, the amazingness of Jesus, she lost 21 verses later. 21 verses later, the Bible says, they were going back from Jerusalem to the place where they were living, and they had lost Jesus. See, you're not so bad anymore. You haven't lost the Son of God. I'm praying if you don't know Him, some of you find the Son of God this morning and make Jesus Christ Lord of your life. I'm praying this morning is so transformational that you begin to look at what is close and what is common and those things that are concerning to you as not overlooking it but finding the power of God actually in it because just because it's incomplete doesn't mean it's not anointed. And he's calling you to a place. He's calling you to step into something in your life. And so the funny thing is, when you look down in verse number 41, it talks about the parents of Jesus went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they left and Jesus wasn't with them. And they freaked out about a day's journey in and turned around and went to get back to get Jesus. I'm asking you, what are things God has given you in your life? That a year ago you were celebrating as the biggest breakthrough ever, but today you don't even remember them because so many other things have taken precedence and it's just common in your life. See, there are things in our life that because they were once privileged and now we have let them become commonplace, they've moved from powerful to just normal. And we've lost the power in it. What things in your life does God want to do once again that only God can do? And so what are the good things God has done for us that we've forgotten about 21 sentences later? <laughs> After about 21 phrases, 21, how are you doing this morning? You forgot about the goodness of God that actually got you to the building that you're in this morning. And what if the good thing he gave you is the punch ticket we never praised him for? Like the movie, the ticket gets punched and he hands it back. But because it looks incomplete, what if the good thing was the punch ticket that was incomplete that we never praised him for? Now we never get to see the ending because we didn't praise him for the beginning. What if we started praising God for things that happened in the beginning, trusting him with the ending and we learn to live in the middle of it because he is the a the alpha and the e of alive is the ending but the liv in the middle is where we're at and if we know he is the alpha and the ending or the omega the beginning and the end all at once and we're in the middle you know he's got it started you know he's got it ended and you know he's got your front and you know he's got your back so you're in the middle so why are we so bored about living in the middle of the will of god for our life and just because you can't figure it out, 
just because you don't know what's going on just because what used to be privileged has now become commonplace we've lost the life the liv in the middle of alive but we know he's still the alpha and he's still the ending or the omega but somewhere in the middle now i want to talk to you about being in the middle just for a moment next week's message is all about what do you do in the middle your life in the middle most of your life 90 percent of it's lived in the middle it's not the rejoicing and it's not the ending it's not the start of something and it's not the finishing something it's the journey in between and what do you do in the middle what do you do at the moment the movement and the momentum in the middle and i'm going to tell you how how, how important I believe next week's message is and how important the conclusion of this message is and what you're going to do with these tickets tomorrow I fly out to Africa I'm getting on a plane tomorrow at 6 p.m. and flying to Africa and because next weekend is so important I changed and adjusted my flights to be back next Saturday at 6 o'clock from Africa I'll get home at 8 o'clock to preach next Sunday morning at 8 o'clock so I need you to really, really, really understand the importance of next week's message because I'm not going to go evangelize Africa without evangelizing my across the street. I love global missions, but I love local missions even more. I love world outreach. I love world evangelism, but not at the expense of crossing my own street, getting to my own neighbors, walking through my own neighborhood with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we're going to go global while we're changing local. Come on, somebody. Let, let's see this happen. And so in this message... What about the things he's done for you that we've never praised him for? That if we would begin to praise him for once again, it would actually get us to the ending. See, your living in the middle should consist of praising him for the beginning, trusting him to the ending. And watch where he goes with your life. And going further into this message, the scripture says this in verse number 12, and this will be a sign for you. A sign for you and I want you to grab this ticket everybody got a ticket in your hand what if this golden ticket is a sign that is pointing you to a greater experience what if this ticket this this thing in your hand that you're looking at as a sermon illustration is about to have life come onto it and it becomes the greatest experience of your life what if your golden ticket is not far off but it's found in what is close what is common and what is concerning to you and the bible says in verse 12 and there were in the same region shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night and listen in the same region there were shepherds out in the field and they were doing their job they were watching the sheep all that you need to get through your current situation in every situation I'm going to tell you is not far off it's close by all you need to get through your current situation and every situation it's not far off it is close by God called shepherds it says they were in the same region he brought wise men from afar that got there two years late later I'm not going to say they were late because I believe they were on God's time but they weren't at the birth the wise men didn't show up till two years later go read the account they saw the little boy at the house the shepherd saw a baby in a manger two completely different contexts so god used what was close in the moment to bring revelation to the people of god in what they needed 
God wants to use what's close in your life, what's common in your life in those situations and not what's far off. And have you ever noticed when Jesus does miracles, he usually used what was close? Have you ever noticed, Richard, when Jesus turned water into wine, he didn't tell the people to go to the River Jordan to get the water. He said, go fill up the washing basins that everybody had been to, washed their junk off in, and walked away from to do his first miracle that the Bible says, and this was the first of the signs because signs are always pointing to something greater than the moment. When here it says, he tells the shepherds, and this will be a sign for you, it's pointing to something greater than what you're seeing in the moment. When the little boy had five loaves and two fish, Jesus didn't tell them, I need you to go to the Sea of Galilee, and I need you to break your nets back out, because I've called you to be fisher of men. So I need you to find a little boy that has five loaves and two fish. He's not even counted in your attendance record, because y'all are only counting men, but don't overlook what I've found to be the actual source to feed everybody here. Come on, somebody. He didn't go to the Sea of Galilee to catch fish. He didn't go to the local baker because all the disciples were freaking out. We don't have enough money to buy enough bread. He said, but we got a little boy with five loaves and two fish. He found what was close by to do the miracle he needed in the moment. The funnest miracle that I love. When there was nothing around, Jesus used the only thing that was around. When a person was blind... He looked at the man, looked around. There were no new eyes laying around. There was no optometrist in the area. There was nobody he could go to to get the guy an eye test. So Marcus, what he did is he knelt down and grabbed some dirt, spit in it. I didn't really spit. We're good. Some of y'all are like, I ain't shaking his hand after church. <laughs> made mud slapped it on the dude's eyeballs and he could see your miracle and everything that you need is not far off in fact i believe it's close by but because it's so close by you've looked at it as close as common and it not concerning you when it very much concerns you to do the miracle that you need to get you through the moment that you're in because he's the alpha and the ending and he's trying to get you to live in the middle of it not far off but with what you have right at home now here's the thing everybody grab your ticket who is someone outside of your household outside of your household that you are grateful for in your everyday life who is someone outside of your household that you're grateful for in your everyday life and is it possible that we view them as common because they are so close and in doing so we miss who jesus wants to use and like i said if you'll stay on this journey this thing that was a sermon illustration is about to get life put on it so if all the kids who are in the room grab a pen either out of the chair in front of you out of your purse or whatever i want all the kids in the room to write your best friend's name on this card Come on, this is interactive. Everybody grab a pen out of the chair in front of you. Let's do this. Here we go. I'm going to start the Jeopardy music. And I want all the adults in the room. Who is somebody in your life that you are grateful for outside of your household? I want you to write their name on this ticket. And I want you to write your name on this ticket. And then sometime this week, Preferably before Wednesday, 
I want you to hand deliver this ticket to them and tell them how grateful you are for them. And if on the 15th, the 22nd, or the 21st, they bring this ticket back and turn it into the Connect Center, we're going to draw on Christmas Eve, and if they draw this ticket and it's got your friend's name on it and your name on it, you both get a gift that's going to be pretty awesome from TWBC just saying thank you for bringing life to a place that used to be common. Thank you for bringing life to someone who may not have had life that day because the shepherds were in the same region as the Son of God, but the Son of God was the gift to the shepherds. They may be in your life every single day. You may be grateful for them, but if they don't know it, you're not bringing life to the people who God has gifted you with. Some of y'all are looking at me like, I ain't doing this. Like I just said, what if we view them as common because they're so close and in doing so we miss who Jesus really wants to use I'm challenging you write somebody's name on this ticket write your name on this ticket and see what God has in store for your life as you give it to them everybody say close everybody say common and the Bible says this and this will be a sign for you you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger the miracle the sign of God was the manger and the cloth that were wrapping and holding the baby it is something everybody had already walked by a million times in their life but until you look again you'll never notice the miracle because you missed the sign that it was pointing to because the thing that it was laying in was so common what in your life is so common that if you would just begin to look again you'll begin to see the miracle that's already laying in it how many of you drove to TWBC this morning how many feed troughs did you count on your way to church? Because you weren't looking for it. I promise they're out there. I promise there's cows on this side of us. There's cows on that side of us. There's cows on that side of us. And there's cows on that side of us. And if you come down 154, you drove by the, drove by the sale barn and you saw a bunch of feed troughs, but you didn't see any feed troughs because you weren't looking for it. Listen to what he tells the, the, the shepherds the sign is. It says, and this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby that's wrapped in swaddling cloths in a feed trough. That's how you're going to know it's the Son of God. Everybody say, look again. Look at the neighbor on your right and say, look again. Look at the other one and say, I'm sorry. You're my second choice. Look again. Tell them to look again. Look at the person behind you. <laughs> Say, look again. I'm telling you. I need you to start looking again at the things that you think are common because it's in the midst of the common. It's probably the sign you've been looking for all along. It's in the midst of what you walk into every day. You walk into your house and that same plaque is standing on your wall when you open the door. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his love endures forever. And you walk in and you don't even notice the sign that Jesus is trying to change your day if you'll just begin to give him thanks because he's good and his love endures forever. But I walked right by the sign because it's so common I overlook it. The message has been staring you in the face every day when you walk in. But because it's so common, you open the door 
And you don't give thanks because you don't even see the sign anymore. Come on, somebody. You know I'm right. What if we would look again, though? What if when we open the door and we step through and we would pick our head up and realize what is actually around us? And we would look again and we would see that sign with fresh eyes and truly walk in and say, I give thanks for this house because the Lord is good and his love endures forever. So love fills this place and this house is filled with joy as daddy walks in even in a bad mood. Come on, somebody. Or am I the only one who needs to look again? Am I the only one who struggles with this sometimes? Because the signs of God are staring me in the face all the time and I just choose not to look again. What in your life, if you gave it another look, would begin to have life again? What if when your spouse walked in, you wouldn't say, huh, and you said, hey. <laughs> and you looked again. Right? I ain't playing. My wife walks in and is like, I, I look again. That's why I married her. She's gorgeous. <laughs> what if you would begin to look again at the person God gave you? I don't care if you're 40 years into this marriage. Again, there's things about them that you've overlooked because it's become privileged at first, but now they've become commonplace. And how dare we let the most important person in our life become so common that we'll leave them to go to a conference to hear how to live a better life for them, but not listen to them when they're in the same room with us. Come on, somebody. What have we looked at in our life as so common that it's privileged? And the kids that God's given you that are amazing, they're awesome, they're wonderful, and, I, and you love with all your heart sometimes. And we look at them as a nuisance rather than anointed. What if I would just look at my kids and, and, and look at them with annoyance rather than looking again and say, there's anointing sitting on that front row. There's anointing in the house. Everybody who's 12th grade and younger, I'm looking at you again, and I'm not seeing annoying. I'm seeing anointed world changers ready to rise up, but I'm going to look again because you're a sign unto me that God hasn't given up on the next generation because you're a part of the next generation sitting right here in the house of God with us. That's why I love the verse that says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord together because you're not annoying. You're anointed. And let's look again. Look again in your life of what's going on. Who is someone in your life? Next card, all the adults. Who is someone in your life that you see every day in your life, outside of your house, that you need to look again? Maybe it's the barista at Starbucks that gives you your coffee every day, but you only know them by their first name just because they get it right, not wrong. <laughs> Come on, somebody. How about, how about that person at the convenience store that you go to every week to fill up with gas because you only go to one of three different places to get gas because we're creatures of habit and we do the same thing all the time over and over and over and over and over again. This is how the police know where to find you if they're looking for you. I got police friends. I don't know this for, from experience. I know this from knowledge. And police will say, if you ever can do anything to benefit your life, it's change up your routine a little bit. <laughs> Unless you're purposely making an adventure, you're going to the same restaurants all the time. 
We ain't got nothing to eat in this town. They can make 18 new restaurants, but you're still going to the same one saying there's nothing new. It's because you don't get off your course. So since you're not getting off your course, find who's on your course. It's the clerk at the convenience store that maybe you need to find out their name and give them a ticket that says, I want you to come to church because you're not coming to me anymore. In fact, God put you in your life, in my life, and you're close to me, and there's something uncommon about you, so I want you to know that I care about you. What if it's that waiter or waitress that's waited on you 20 times, and I pray you've been tipping them well? Don't give them no ugly tip and them hand them a golden ticket and say, come to church. <laughs> you better change your ways. What in your life is so common that you got to look again because he told the shepherds this will be the sign it's in something so common and in clothes so common that if you don't look again you're going to miss it if you don't look again at that financial situation you're going to miss the miracle of god that's already happened while you're begging for the next one to occur I remember when we first got married I remember when me and my wife first got married In the house we lived in And it seems like we're just as strapped now As we were then But when we look back from where we started from To where we are now We say give thanks to the Lord for he is good Look where we were But look where we are on the way to where we're going You better look again at your finances Because if you'll start praying, praising him For the bills you've already paid It'll change your perspective on How you'll pay the next one coming up because he promised I'll supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. But I wonder if the supply is slowing down because our gratefulness hasn't started. Give thanks to him. What's so common in your life? And then the last point is this. You got what's close. You got what's common. But I want to also talk about what is concerning now i want to change the verbiage of this just a minute because when i use the word concerning everybody thinks it's a, a negative thing if i say mark i got some news concerning you you're like what's wrong that's usually our first response but here it says the shepherds told them all things concerning them and there was nothing wrong in fact it was everything right it was confirming the prophecy of the angels that already spoken to them so when i say concerning you i'm not meaning something negative or wrong so i'm going to say all the things complimenting you to build you up and to encourage you in this process and it says this and when they saw it what was it they saw the sign the baby in the manger with the cloths around it what was common what was close to them they the shepherds made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child and the shepherds then relayed to Mary the compliments concerning her given to the shepherds by the angels and what if somebody is so close to you and so common to you that you don't tell them the concerning things that God is giving you to them to encourage them. And see, some of you think that just because it doesn't seem spiritual to you, it's not powerful to them. For example, for all the men in the house, if I ever told you, hey, I like that shirt you're wearing, hold your hand up real high. Like I say it all the time to people. Like, hey, I love that shirt. Great shirt. Why? Just because it's common to me doesn't mean it's not powerful to you. Ladies, the best thing you could ever say to another lady is if you like their hair, tell them you like their hair. Uh, boy, I got some... I ain't telling her I like her hair. You like her hair. If you, 
See, in the body of Christ, just because we don't think it's spiritual, we don't think it's powerful, but I'm telling you, some of the most compliments that you can give to somebody that, that, that change their perspective about the room that they're going to walk into will make for a spiritual encounter for them. Listen, it's hard enough getting to church on Sunday morning with the kids and with the getting everything ready and walking in and with your best on and your hair all done up. And when you walk in for somebody to say, oh, we're just glad we made it. When are we going to start encouraging the body of Christ with what is concerning them? With what God wants them to know about themselves? When is the last time when is the last time? Everybody look at me. They know where they're going. They can walk without you looking. Come on. When is the last time you gave somebody in the church a compliment about something in their life concerning them? Hey, your kids are really well behaved. I really appreciate that. You know, the best compliment I get as a dad is when you say something about my boys. The best compliment you ever give me as a husband is to say something nice about my wife. I don't care what you say about me, but the greatest feeling of encouragement I get is when people notice not how I preach, but how my family is living. When is the last time you've given somebody in the house of God a simple compliment of, man, I'm really encouraged seeing you here every single week concerning them, concerning their life. Because the shepherds came and they didn't tell Mary and Joseph something new. They told them everything they already knew to confirm that they were going in the right direction. You don't have to tell somebody something new. You can tell them something they already know to encourage them to keep going in the right direction. What is something in your life that you can tell somebody before you leave here this moment? Because there's a powerful moment about to take place concerning them that could change their life for the better. And I'm going to specify what I mean by that. If you're going to give somebody a word that sounds in the least bit critical, I'm going to tell you don't do it because it's not from God. Don't do it. Because God is not a God who wants to be a critic. God is one of God who wants to be a God of encouragement. And sometimes in the house of God, we got more critics than encouragements and I need you to begin to be an encourager and not a critic because the last time I checked God started Joel with the alpha Joel hasn't made it to the E or the ending or the omega and I'm living life somewhere in the middle doing the very best I can and the worst thing that I do is when I'm doing the best I can for somebody to say but when will we as the body of Christ look at each other for what we're doing great, not for the greatness that we want them to be? When will we start looking at each other with eyes that say, I'm so grateful for where you are because I see where you've come from, not how far we still got to go? Come on, am I the only one struggling here? Because you guys are looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about this morning. But I'm telling you, the greatest moments in your life are going to be when you recognize what's close, what's common, and what is concerning the people around you. And God was looking to us because we were close to his heart.
We are a common thought in his mind. Not When I say common, it doesn't mean just average thought. It was a constantly occurring thought in his mind. We were close to his heart. We're a constantly occurring thought in his mind. So he sent a word concerning us in the form of his son, Jesus. And the Bible says in that moment, it was called a kairos moment. It means a moment at just the right time, not in the beginning, not in the ending, but somewhere in the middle of all of time. God says now is just the right time to send the word that was from the beginning because in the beginning was the word of God and he was God and it was Jesus Christ according to John 1 1 and so he was there in the beginning so Jesus wasn't a new word he was a prophesied word that God says now is the right time to send the word to a people that I'm close to to a people that are constantly on my mind and this is the word concerning them it's concerning to them because this is what it says in Galatians. But when the fullness or the kairos of time had come, God sent his son forth in a born of a woman under the law to buy back or redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And Romans 5, 6 says this, For while we were still weak or sinners, at just the right time Christ died for the ungodly. The moment that the Bible talks about where God sent his son and Jesus died were Kairos moments planned out before the history of all of time. This moment we're in right now. Hey, Jason, I need you to do me a big favor. Pull the background music down some. This moment we're in right now in all of the history of time is a Kairos moment for you. It's not something that's just occurred at the end of a service. It's something that God has planned and he's been working on. And now is a moment in your life. And in this moment, I'm going to ask everybody across the auditorium to bow your heads and close your eyes. Nobody looking around. And I'm going to ask Jason if he can pull the lights up just a little bit. And in this moment... I want to ask you a specific question. And when I ask it, it's going to be a question that's close and common, but it's still concerning to you. And if you don't stop and think about it for a moment, you can miss your Kairos moment. And the question is this. Have you made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life? And if in an instant you, you, you thought, I don't know, or you doubted it, or whatever... I want to give you the opportunity to make a decision this morning to know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Not to get to heaven one day, but so you can encounter God today. Some of you realize the moment I asked that question, you, you've been to church for a while because it was close and it was common, but you've never made a decision concerning a decision about Jesus Christ. And so here's what I'm going to ask. If you've never made a decision concerning Jesus Christ to make him the Lord and the Savior of your life, if you want to make Jesus Lord and Savior of your life, I want you to hold your hand up real high just for a moment. Nobody looking around. Hold your hand up real high just for a moment. If you want to make him Lord and Savior of your life. See hands popping up. Parents, if your kids pop their hand up, don't put it down. I believe God's working on them. We'll walk you through it here in a minute. I want everybody to pray this prayer with me. And if you're praying this for the first time, 
I want you to know that God is bringing you a moment right now that will change your life forever. Everybody pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I realize now that I need a Savior. I ask for your forgiveness as I reach to you and I ask for Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. Your word says that if I'll believe in the resurrection of Jesus, that I'll be saved. So I say right now that I believe Jesus died for me, He rose again for me, and He has forgiven me. And today, in this moment, I am born again, and I am your child according to your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Give God a hand clap of praise this morning. Maybe you didn't need to pray that prayer this morning. Maybe you knew Christ as Lord and Savior. But maybe you got some other things concerning your life. Maybe you need a prayer of faith, a prayer of healing, a prayer of a circumstance that you're going through because you know he's the A and you know he's got the end, but you don't know how the middle's turning out. I'm telling you, God wants to meet you in the moment right now. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand. And in just a minute when I say amen to this prayer, if you want to take the Lord's Supper, you can line up between section 1 and 2, and they'll serve you the Lord's Supper. If you prayed the prayer for the first time today, and you pray the prayer saying, I know I made a decision for Jesus. When I say amen, I want you to go tell a person with a lanyard on that I accepted Christ and let them begin to pray with you and help you on this journey. If you need prayer for anything else, when I say amen to this prayer, I want you to go. Some of you need to gather in groups of three and four and pray for the names on your card. And some of you need to begin to pray for them. But whatever the need is this morning, let's watch God come in because you're close to him. You're constantly on his mind. And you concern him greatly. Father, in the name of Jesus, in this moment, do what only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray. Get ready to move in three, two, one. The altars are open. Won't you come? Pray with us today.